Welcome to the Science and Sass Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things science, fitness, and motherhood. We're your hosts, Dr. Rachel Reed and Dr. Brittany Masteller. We both have PhDs in kinesiology and a passion for sharing science with the world. We created this podcast to have unfiltered conversations about complex topics that we think deserve attention. While listening, you can expect to learn everything from implementing the scientific method to raising little humans and how to keep your head above water through it all. This podcast will cover three major topics, exercise science, motherhood, and the fitness industry. We firmly believe that science is for everyone, that coffee should only be drunk out of a mug, and that lipstick makes everything better. So go ahead and hit the subscribe button and make sure to join us every Monday for our conversation with your favorite PhD buzz. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Science and SAS podcast. We're so happy today that we are going to be interviewing Britt to learn more about her, her life, and really what makes, you know, Britt, Britt, because she has had such a cool story and I want her to share it with all of you so that you understand her perspective, where she's coming from and how hard she's worked to get to where she is today. So Britt, are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) Okay, well, let's start at the very beginning. Tell us about your family growing up and how your childhood impacted your decisions for school. Sure. So um, growing up, I grew up in a really small town in central Pennsylvania. Okay. So just for reference, now I live in Massachusetts. So I grew up in Pennsylvania um, in a really small town, like near Penn State, um, very rural. I was always not that interested in sports. So I tried a lot of traditional team sports like soccer, softball, everything pretty much um, when I was like growing up. Uh, I did gymnastics when I was very young, but I never really stuck with anything. Yeah. It was kind of just like, I don't know. I like tried different things because I wanted, I like wanted to be really good at sports, but I didn't feel like I was. So I ended up being drawn to more like individual sports. That makes so, sense. Yeah. So I was, I did run track for a couple of years. I was a sprinter, um, but then I wanted a, a a job after school. So I kind of had to choose between working or participating in high school sports because like all the practices and games and stuff are when you could work. That's true. I didn't think about that. Yep. Yeah. So I kind of got away from doing traditional sports. I was still a cheerleader, but that was very like at my school, it was not like a competitive cheer squad. It wasn't like we didn't do a lot of tumbling or anything like that. It was very low key. Okay. So um, like like so. Game, like game day cheerleading, not yeah, okay. yeah. And yeah. we did like some little things, like some little competitions, but it was nothing like competitive, like all star cheerleading. Like it was not serious. Okay. <laughs> um. So I did that, and then I also uh, started 
dancing. So I, I joined a local dance studio and took hip hop classes there <clears throat> and did that through high school as well. And that was, again, that was more just fun. We did compete um, and they were actually a lot of times at cheer competitions they would do. This is when dance like hip hop in particular first started becoming more like uh, competitive hip hop, I guess, started becoming more mainstream. So a lot of these cheer competitions also had a dance portion. So like one day would be cheer and one day would be dance. Oh, wow. Something like that. So uh, I did that in high school as well. Um, I would say in general, I was not I was not very outgoing. I feel like I really came into my own and like really developed my personality when I went to college. Um, Like I said, I grew up in a very small town. I'm biracial. So my dad is black. My mom is white. And I lived in a very white town. And I think a lot of, you know, my insecurity about like my identity and stuff like that really – peaked in high school. Um, So for me, leaving and going to college was very helpful with that because I was around a lot more diversity and I felt like I was kind of free in a way. Um, So I became very involved in everything in college. Um, If you listen to Rach's episode, we talked about like what it was like applying to college, which I think is aging us a little bit, but (laughs) people listening to this podcast are probably like in the same boat as us. Like it was not how it is now. College was not like the application process and all of that was so, so different. So weird. It's like so long ago in my brain too. Yeah. I didn't even take it that – to be honest, I did not take it that seriously. I didn't either. Yeah. I – I only actually applied to Lock Haven. I didn't even – I don't even think I applied anywhere else um, because I kind of knew I wanted to go there and I I didn't – I wasn't really worried about not getting in. So I applied there and I did get in and after that I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to waste – because it's expensive to apply to college too. Or like I didn't have money to apply to like all these different colleges yeah. if I didn't want to go there. Um, and Lock Haven had a really great reputation for what I was going to go to school for, which was health science. So you so, always knew health science was what you wanted to do. Yeah, but I thought that I wanted to be a physician assistant. So okay. like in high school, you take I took like an anatomy class or something, but you also take – I was some sort of – I don't know if it was an activity we did in a different class – but you do like career exploration type of things where you have to like research different careers that you might be interested in and like learn about them and blah, blah, blah. So I looked up physician assistant and at the time that was like a fairly new up and coming career. Yeah. Um, and Lockhaven had a graduate program for physician assistant studies, which is a master's degree. So they really prepared their undergraduate students well because they had this graduate program. So they really knew what it took. Um, so I was like, this is perfect. Like, I'm going to go to school for health science. And that's what I thought I was going to do, be a physician assistant. So at when I got to college, the first – this is and this is different from a lot of other programs I'm realizing. But right off the bat, we had to take really difficult classes. And I honestly think it was to like weed out students because our first semester we had to take bio- biology for health sciences, anatomy and physiology one, 
Um, I was in the honors program, so I had to take an honors like in English literature class and an honors philosophy class, I think. Wow. Um, so two science classes that, with labs in the same yes. semester. That's pretty tough. Yes. Yeah. For the first for your first semester of college. So a lot of people, I think, drop the major or change the major after that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because that's, you know, those courses are hard. Like I when I came to UMass and, you know, saw their curriculum, like students didn't take didn't even take AMP until their like sophomore year. Um so anyways, yeah, so I took anatomy and physiology my first year, one and two, biology one and two, and I took a bunch of honors classes the fall and spring semester. And like I, I think that was when the first time that I was really like challenged. Yeah. I don't really remember studying in high school, to be completely honest. I I mean, I'm 30, so it's been 13 years since I was in high school, but I truly don't ever remember like having to try that hard. <laughs> I, no, I mean, I feel kind of the same way. Like I definitely quote studied, but I'm using quote like air quotes for that because I would later come to find that I actually had no idea how to study. Yeah. Like I, I seriously like don't even, whenever you said that, I was like, that's a good point. Like I, I really don't remember like trying that hard. So college for me, like that was a big realization, but I really liked it. Like, I really liked studying and I lived – it's so funny because I talked to Alyssa about this. I, like, lived in the library because we had <laughs> we had this 24-hour section in our library that you could access at any time. Um, and that's where, like, a lot of the tutors would do their tutoring sessions. And yeah. I just – I loved the library. And I uh, lived on campus all four years because I was, a, a, I was an RA. So after my freshman year, I still stayed on campus when a lot of my friends – moved off campus and whatnot because I was a resident assistant. Um, so during my sophomore year, I took an ex-phys class. And during this time was when I started teaching group X. So the dance studio that I attended had a sister studio in the town that I was going to college at. So okay. I taught there um, during the week as a part-time job. I taught like younger kids and stuff um, and the competition team on nights and weekends. So I would walk there. Uh, it wasn't that, I mean, it was still a, it was still a walk. I would get a ride if I could, but I didn't have a car on campus. So I would walk there um, and I was doing that and I was teaching like fitness, like conditioning classes to our dancers. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And then I, I started teaching Zumba. I like, I don't even, I honestly don't really remember what inspired me to get certified to teach Zumba, but I just really wanted to. So was that like your first like group fitness that, certification? Okay. Yeah, awesome. That was like my introduction to group, like formal group fitness. Yeah. Um, so I started teaching classes at the rec center and it was like the most fun thing ever. My classes blew up actually. And I was ended up teaching them on the basketball court and I had like a little stage and I mean, I I used to get like, I think my biggest Zumba class was like over a hundred people. Oh my God. Can you teach us like a Zoom Zumba class? Yeah. Like I would love it. <laughs> it's so funny when the quarantine started, like some of my friends from college, I was doing like Zoom on Instagram live or something or Zumba on Instagram live or something. And some of my friends from college 
commented saying that they like still remember the dances from certain songs because I would pick songs that were really popular at the time like yeah. you know songs that you think about when you were in college like I would make Zuma dances to them so now when we hear them I still like you know can you like know the, the choreography yeah yeah <laughs> so that was you know that was really really fun and um I I, I loved teaching Zumba it was so so much fun and I did that all through for like three years of, of college. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, like I said, I was also uh, an RA. So as part of that, we had to like create programming and activities for the dorms. And a lot of times you know, I would choose ones that were really related to exercise and health um, and fitness and whatnot. Um, and then in my sophomore year, I took my first exercise physiology class and I like loved it. We only took one ex-phys class as a pre-health science student because it was simply to f- fulfill requirements to go to, you know, whatever you were going to, physical therapy school, physician assistant school, medical school, whatever you were doing after it was to prepare you for that. Right. Makes sense. So I took that and I loved it. Um, and that's when I really started getting like into fitness. I'm using air quotes because I still was like reading a lot of fitness magazines because at the time that was like what was popular. I didn't have any – I mean, I think I had Facebook, but that was back when you needed a, like a college email address to even get a Facebook. So it wasn't what it is now. I didn't have Instagram or anything. So there was no like social media at all. It was all – I was getting everything from – my coursework and from magazines and following these like fitness models and stuff. Oh. What, a, what a time. Like things have changed so much in the last decade. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It's just – it's really crazy how much things have changed actually because I like thought that – I thought that Oxygen Magazine was the Bible and like <laughs> I just I, – I ate it up. Um, so anyways – Fast forward to like my junior year, um, as part of the honors program, you have to do a capstone project. So I was thinking about what I wanted to do for a capstone project and I was talking with my exercise physiology professor who I had eventually switched to him to be my academic advisor. Okay. So you liked the class enough to know like, all right. I think I need to start making some moves towards Yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. So he – and I, I should say too, like I went to a really small school where researching – research wasn't the norm in undergrad. Like not every professor had an active research agenda um, and they weren't required to necessarily. So there were some smaller research studies happening, but it wasn't like an R1 institution where there's like every lab has a – you have to like apply to work in it and all that type of thing. Okay. It wasn't like that. Got it. So I was the only student at the time that was in there. Um, and I asked him to be my cap, my thesis advisor for my capstone project. And um, as part of that, I, I conducted a research study. And I essentially conducted it like by myself with his supervision, which was like looking back, like that was really cool, a really unique experience that I never would have gotten at another, like a bigger institution, um, which I think – is just it's just interesting because I feel like smaller schools can be frowned upon sometimes when applying to like graduate programs and stuff because they're not 
heavy in research, but I, well, I think the advantage of that was I got one-on-one mentorship literally at every single step of the research study. Um, and that's a lot of responsibility and autonomy for what, like a 22-year-old, 23-year-old yeah. to be, um, to have. That's yeah. such a cool learning experience. Yeah, it was really awesome. And like, obviously, I made m- mistakes and like, you know, things like that. It wasn't a perfect experience, but it definitely taught me a lot. Um, and then that summer before my senior year, which is like when all of my friend, me and all of my friends, for the most part, were taking the GRE because that's what you have to do to get into graduate school. And I remember like studying for it and taking it and you know, getting like the minimum score I needed or whatever to apply to PA school. And I just didn't want to. <laughs> I was like, I really don't want this. Like, I don't want to to do this. And wow. my advisor was kind of like, have you ever thought about going to school for exercise science like a graduate program I didn't even know that was a thing then like I had no idea I was like no I like what I I didn't know what it was so um after working in the lab and everything I did an internship that spring at the university that I then applied for and went to for my master's okay so once a week I'd go there and you know like do research with the grad students and whatnot and really like see what it was like there which it was another like d2 um it was it had a master's program which Lockhaven did not but it was not again not a huge research program or anything like that so I still my cohort was very small there um and I got a grad assistantship so I decided to then pursue a master's so after graduation um I did that uh, and at that point, I was like pretty certain that I wanted to go for my PhD. I mean, there were definitely times that I questioned it when grad school was hard, but for the most part, I like I knew I wanted to go for my PhD. I chose a thesis track, which for my program, it was um, you could choose between a thesis track and like an internship track. So a lot of the people I went to graduate school with are clinical exercise physiologists, so they wanted, went into more like cardiac rehab type of positions, um, whereas I wanted to do a more academic type of position. I was like, I want to be a professor. Yeah. Um, because all my professors said that it was like the best job ever and I had such great mentors and whatnot. So um yeah, so I decided to pursue a master's, which my program was kind of like a I would say it was like an extension of undergrad in this in a lot of ways because my undergrad was not in exercise science. So my undergrad was in health science, which is a lot different. We had to take a lot more hard sciences, I would say, than a traditional exercise science degree. Yep. So um, when I got to Bloom and we had to take, you know, clinical exercise physiology, grad ex-phys 1, grad ex-phys 2, biomechanics, um, which are – like I had to take those classes as an undergrad, but it was just a higher level sure. um, during my grad program. And during that time, I did a master's thesis on college women where I looked at uh, bone mineral density and VO2 max and the relationship Ah. between those two variables. So I did tons of DEXAs, tons of body composition analysis. Tons of VO2 max tests. (laughs) Over over 100 VO2 max tests. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, it was, it was good though. I, I mean, I got super familiar with, you know, the protocol for that yep. and using a lot of different equipment in the lab, which was really cool. And using the DEXA, which was really cool because like, I had access to it whenever I wanted, which was just awesome. Like, I don't think I realized how cool that was actually until I left Bloom because I could literally just like get a DEXA whenever I wanted there. <laughs> That's a good point. You kind of don't realize how cool it is that you could get all of this like personal physiological data yeah. all the time. Like, yeah. 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 So during that time, I was still teaching Zumba. And I was also at that point, I had um, started working for another gym who the owner was like a friend of a friend um, who was from that area. Because this this was I this is like probably almost, it was like almost two hours from where I grew up. So I didn't know anyone there. But I got hired at this gym to teach boot camp classes. And I also taught Zumba there. So I thought I worked at two different gyms. I was going to grad school and I also worked at Applebee's as a server. What? <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean you've you've always been a go-getter, but I'm so curious. So like at least for me while I was in grad school at UGA, you know, not a lot of other students also worked like in the fitness industry. Was that sort of how it was for you too? Like were you an anomaly or was it more common? I would actually say it was – I would say that it was more common Okay. Um, because where I went to my master's program, they had an undergraduate program in applied exercise science. So a lot of the people in the grad program were undergrads there first and um, either did field experience as part of the degree or had taken time off in between um, undergrad and grad but they all had exercise science degrees for the most part, at least in my cohort. Um, and like the cohort before me, I know some of them went to like physical therapy school, but yeah. very, very few people like me and my, me and my roommate in grad school, actually, she just graduated. She had her like official ceremony on zoom. She just finished her PhD at Penn state. Oh, congratulations. Um, yeah. So like we ended up going for a PhD, but I would say that's not the norm. A lot okay. of people ended up, a lot of people either now are in the fitness industry or in a clinical exercise physiology setting um, doing that. So I would say that it was it was actually, yeah, it was pretty normal for them to be involved in the industry um, and more rare for that to not happen. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until I got to UMass, which again is a bigger research one institution that I noticed some more of that disconnect. Uh-huh. Which was actually really hard for me because I was like, I, I don't know, I had never experienced that before. So, yeah, during my master's, I decided I wanted to go to PhD. I started. That's when I started attending ACSM conferences. So, um, networking and just like learning more about the field, the field, yeah, and what other people were doing and um, things like that, which was really awesome and. One of my professors at Bloom actually went to UMass. Um, he's a nutrition researcher. And so when I was looking for PhD programs and asked like my the people in my department, like if they had any advice or if they knew of anyone like accepting students or anything, um, he mentioned UMass and specifically he was really close with Patty Friedson. 
he didn't study under her technically like he was in a nutrition lab but or metabolism i forget what lab exactly he was in but he studied under priscilla clarkson who was really close with patty so um he suggested that and had emailed patty on my behalf but patty was not accepting students at that time however they just hired a new faculty who was accepting students so um I emailed him. He did he so my interests pursuing a PhD were either children and adolescents or pregnancy. Physical activity and pregnancy. Um I don't know I, I don't honestly don't know what sparked the pregnancy interest. I I think it was just going to those talks at ACSM. I was always just really interested in that and I really like kids. Like I had always taught dance and stuff and I enjoyed children. So that, those were the areas I was drawn to. So, and we'll do an episode about how to like search for programs. But I was just going to say, yeah, like I was like, we need to talk about this for sure because yeah. you're, you know, for you, you're making it sound like it was like just like a couple of easy steps, but it's actually like takes, it's hard to navigate unless you know yeah. what to do. So, yeah. yeah. And I didn't, I didn't know anyone. No, who even, yeah. Like, besides my professors, like I didn't know anyone in my life who had pursued a PhD. At yeah. All. Um. So, basically, what I did was emailed a bunch of a bunch of different people to just see if they were even accepting students, and many of them said no. Like I, there were there was one faculty member that I really wanted to work with because they did both stuff with children and with moms, and I was like, oh, this would be so perfect. But they didn't have funding, and I didn't want to take a gap year, so that didn't work. That just didn't work out. I right. didn't even, you know, they even said like, I'd love to take you on. Like if you can wait a year, but right now I don't have any funding. I'm waiting to hear about this grant. And a lot of times guys, that's what happens. So as much as you might want to pursue something, if it doesn't work with your timeline, it just, it doesn't happen. Right. Um, and academic timelines are very much fiscal year to fiscal year because of grant funding. So waiting until summer to make a decision for me was not an option because I did not want that stress of like, what am I going to be doing in the fall? So I applied to a few different programs um, and it came down to two, um, UMass and the University of South Carolina. I was accepted to both. I got verbal offers for both. And what was interesting was that the the my so obviously I chose UMass and my advisor at UMass studied under the faculty I applied to at USC. No way. So, yeah. So um, it was just kind of funny how that ended up happening. Well, it's but, such a small world, but it definitely doesn't feel like it when you're yeah. in the thick of it. Yeah. It was like, and to me, it was like this big pioneer in the field of, you know, children and adolescent physical activity, you know, yeah. So I'll go over that. I'll talk about that more when we do our episode on like choosing programs and stuff. But anyways, I ended up at UMass. And um, so this was in, I started my, started my PhD in 2014. So I finished my master's and then the lab that I was going to be working in actually got funding because it was very small. So Patty was on her way, was, was like getting ready to retire. So she only had two graduate students at the time. And then this other faculty. So we were in the same lab. And then my advisor, I was his first PhD student there. Wow. So he had been he had been at other universities and mentored students before, but not he had just started at UMass like a year a year prior to that. 
So my first project that I was working on, I came early. So I came pretty much right after my graduation from Bloom. And we worked on a project that was funded by Reebok that was looking at um, wearable devices for children and the accuracy and validity of those and whether or not the kids liked them. So <laughs> as a, lo- a big part of the children children's monitors is like the interface that they use them with. So there's like an app associated with it or a website or something, um, which a lot of, I mean, I don't even think that the devices that we used are even, they're obsolete, obsolete now because of how quick wearable technology turns over. But anyways, my first summer working there, that was um the first project that I did and then come fall I took a lot of coursework we were continuing on with the Reebok study like finishing recruiting we had some undergrads at that point that were going to be working with the lab for their undergraduate honors thesis so I was you know in charge of mentoring them and wrapping up this study um and I also at that point started uh, competitive bodybuilding. So I really I was wanted to say, were you still coaching Group X throughout this time? Yeah. So I was coping, coaching Group X until I moved to UMass. And then there was a little bit of a lag because yeah. I was new and I was, you know, figuring it out. Yeah. Or, yeah. And yeah. like find, finding a gym that I wanted to work at and whatnot. Um, I had always wanted to compete in bodybuilding. So I started doing that. My first year my PhD. So at the end of your first – in my program, and it has since changed, but when I was a PhD student, the, at the end of our first year of our program, we had to take something that's called the qualifying exam. Mm-hmm. And the way our qualifying exam was set up is that you had to test – you had to show competency in all the areas of kinesiology within the department. So we had a qualifying exam that covered physical activity and health, exercise physiology, and motor systems, which was biomechanics and motor learning. Yeah. So that was the end of the first year of PhD, which was like two weeks before my first bodybuilding competition. So I remember – yeah, I remember like having to get up and like go use the bathroom like four million times because I was drinking so much water and I had to eat during because I had to eat like every so many hours. So I had to eat during the qualifying exam. People probably hated me. Um, like my cohort that I took it with was probably so annoyed. Like, is she seriously pulling out a sweet potato right now to eat? Um, <laughs> so that was the end of my first year of of my PhD. And I loved it. I loved bodybuilding. I fell in love with it. I competed consecutively basically for three years straight. Wow. Um, yeah. While doing my PhD. So, And I know you've shared some pictures like from that like chapter of your life, if you will, on your Instagram page. So the audience yeah. can definitely check that out there. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if I'll I, – I have since – I haven't competed in bodybuilding since 2017 um, because I just decided I needed to take a break of something that was so rigorous. You to- also had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, I, I got to a point that I was doing so much, which I really loved being busy. And we talked about like having something outside of academia to like keep you occupied and like yes. have another system. So that was bodybuilding for me. Um, but it got to a point where I needed to just focus on finishing writing my dissertation. Um, I had collected all my data and done my intervention, which was a um, physical activity and fitness intervention in during PE. 
like like similar to Rachel's, but in a third and fourth grader. So oh, I was in I a love slightly it. younger population. Yeah. Um, and I loved it and it was awesome. I, again, didn't find many significant differences and I'm still waiting to publish those papers. But um, it was a great experience and I, and I loved it. Um, but it came to a point that I was like, I need to write this up. And during this time, I had connected with um, bodybuilding.com, which as many of you know, it's a supplement. They sell supplements, but they also have a ton of written material, articles online mm-hmm. and whatnot. So I had contacted someone there who was the science editor, which was a job that I learned about that you could do with a PhD that I was like, this actually sounds really interesting to me because it connects you know, everything that I love. Um, so I went out to bodybuilding.com HQ and met everyone there and, you know, toured the facility and got to job shadow the current science editor. And then when I left, like the next week, I, I find out that the current science editor is going to be leaving and they want, they're looking for someone to replace her. (gasps) So they asked me, and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is my dream job. This would be so cool. And I come to my advisor with that and <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> yeah. He didn't say no, but like he, he was worried about me finishing while not being physically at UMass. I mean Which is fair. Yeah, totally fair. And I what even not leaving, it was still hard for me to finish. I still – it took me so long to just write my dissertation, like way too long. <laughs> um, so anyways, I ended up working for them adjunct. So I was – I just I, – I was a contractor for bodybuilding.com for a couple years, science editing until they hired someone else, which is a really great experience. Um, ultimately didn't lead to, by the time that I was finished, they were no longer hiring for that position. So it didn't work out long-term, but I am really grateful that I was able to work for them for a couple of years and just kind of see from, cause I was getting trained in science writing, which is very different than what, like a blog style of writing, yep. which is what they, they produce. So I worked a lot with like a traditional editor who would make it sound it was a lot of back and forth because the editor didn't want to change the science. So I'd have to review it to make sure that it still was scientifically sound, but wasn't like reading like an academic paper. And that's a skill that, I mean, I feel like you definitely have, which is what sets, you know, your Instagram page and your business now apart from so many others, right? That's a skill, for example, that I don't necessarily have, right? Because you got specific extra training in it and you're, yeah. you, you excel at that, right? Yeah, it's definitely hard. Like we talk about science communication a lot and how difficult it is to convey science to the general public. Yeah. Um, and it really is a skill. So I'm constantly trying to <laughs> get better at that and learn more. But, you know, that exposure to doing that was so, such a cool experience. Um, and, you know, just helped me realize. And at that point, that was when I had, like, Instagram was starting to become more popular. Um, so I didn't have, like, a professional account or anything, but I did start sharing more on my personal Instagram page. Yeah. Um, 
So anyways, fast forward to, you know, I competed in my last bodybuilding competition. I still wanted a healthy outlet for physical activity. So I started competing in strongman. Um, and that's where I met my now fiance. So I I should say too, like my personal life was a mess during all of this. I dated a lot of different people during my master's and my PhD. At one point, I was engaged and canceled my wedding. What? Yeah. We need to – we'll have to do an episode about that because I did not know that. Yeah. So I I was engaged during my master's, canceled my wedding because it basically came down to like what I wanted to do for my career actually, which is kind of interesting. But um, it – you know all a blessing in yeah. the long term. So I, my personal life was all over the place. I dated a bunch of different people um, on and off during my undergrad, master's, PhD, whatever. Um, and then I met Alex at the tail end. So that was 2018. Um, so that's when I finished my, finished on my PhD, defended my PhD, didn't have any the, – the job market was sh- like shit. It was – there were like no academic jobs that I really wanted to apply to. Um, I ended up staying on for a postdoc with – on a grant that my advisor received along with – he was the co-PI of it with another PI in sociology um, that he received like mid-PhD for, for me. So my dissertation was obviously nothing related to that, but I really wanted to stay. So I took a postdoc for a year doing that, working on that project in the first year of data collection, which was all in schools. It was looking at adolescent friendship networks and uh, nutrition, physical activity, and screen time. That's cool. It's so cool. Yeah. I learned a lot. Um, I got to work with people from sociology, which was a really cool experience. It's just so, so different the way that they like, approach research and approach questions and approach how they think about things. So that was really, really interesting for me. And I learned a lot. Um, And then I got pregnant with Benji. So that was (laughs) – that was in 2019. Yeah. Um, And then I started my job at Smith. So I've been – so I I got a teaching job. It's just – teaching. There's no research involved. It's part-time. Um, and I got that position a little over – about a year and a half ago. Um, I can't believe it's been a year and a half. So we've known each I other know. pretty much for a year and a half because you had just yeah. started teaching yeah. there when we met. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's kind of like how all of those things ended up where I am now. And it's interesting because of my job at Smith is – I feel like I'll end up using, maybe not yet, but I'll end up using all of the different experiences that I have because our grads, our graduate program is very similar to the graduate program that I went to and that you get all these different areas. Mm-hmm. So you, get, you take an exercise physiology class, a biomechanics class, strength and conditioning class. You take all these different areas and I have not only – advanced education, but also experience um, using and applying all of these different concepts to real people. Yeah. Um, so it kind of came full circle, like you're saying, how it happened, how that happened for you. It, it kind of has come full circle and I think it will continue to go come full circle. Um, this year, I definitely made leaps with my own business um, and 
I didn't even touch on like when I was pregnant, I went back and I, I sought out additional certifications in pre and postnatal fitness because I was like, I know nothing. <laughs> well, you had, you had always had that interest too, right? Yeah. So it's funny how that sort of lined up and that was the, the impetus maybe for you like seeking that out. Yeah. And what's really interesting is I talked about my roommate who just graduated with her PhD. That is what she studied during her PhD was pregnancy and physical activity. That's so cool. We should have her on. I know. That's cool. Yeah. She's a badass. But um, yeah, so it all has kind of come full circle and led me to now doing this. Um, <laughs> and, you know, who knows what's next? I don't even – I have no – I. it's hard to say. It's it's truly hard to say, especially with a year like 2020. I'm just kind of glad that I made it through. Um, I have my program, The Busy Mom Blueprint, um, through Doc Brett Fit. Which I participate in. Yes, Rach is a member. So I have three three different programs with that. So it's, it's all for moms, obviously, The Busy Mom Blueprint for – prenatal, postpartum, and then fit for life, which is for like further out postpartum. Yeah. So um, I'm loving it because even though I could obviously program my own workouts, that's, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, that's not what I want to do. Like I just yeah. want, I want Brit's brain to program for me so that all I need to do is open the app, get my dumbbells, my resistance bands, and just like put my headphones in and go to town. So I can't, recommend it enough. I mean, the programming is obviously science-backed and evidence-based, but it's also tailored to, you know, I feel like it's like that mom strength. It's like functional strength and it's maintaining, for me, it was building back up core mm-hmm. strength. Anyways, I could talk about this for hours, but anyways, yeah, we'll it's do, awesome. Yes. We'll do an episode on the Busy Mom Blueprint, but yeah. yeah, so that's kind of like where I am now. And I think, you know, I am in the really unique situation where I, I use you know, all of my experience training people in real life and all the experience I have doing research with people and also my formal coursework and kind of combine that all together to help other people, you know, live a more healthy lifestyle, whatever that means for them. Um, and I think, you know, the past 12 years have really shaped that for me. So, yeah. It's been so cool to listen to your story. I mean, obviously I knew bits and pieces of it being your friend and colleague, but like hearing how it all sort of came together and led you to where you are now and also thinking about all the obstacles you've had to overcome throughout that time. Like it's so easy on the little Instagram squares to look at Britt's page and be like, wow, she's such a badass. She's amazing. She has all these credentials. Like look at where she is. I want to be like her. But you have to know like Instagram, as we always say, is just like a little snapshot in time. Mm -hmm. And what you didn't see was like the 12, 13 years of like really hard work and making connections and always going like I think one of the themes for you that I've identified is like you've always gone like above and beyond. Like even like in high school, you stopped participating in sports so you could work. Like you've always had like that next stage in mind, which I think is like very inspirational. So. Thanks. You're welcome. It's definitely been a long journey. And like, I feel like my PhD especially was a really like transformative time for me, like both, both personally and professionally as it is, as it probably is for most people, especially if you go straight through, like I was 24 when I started my PhD. Wow. I was pretty young. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And see, I was almost, I was like 26 and a half, like almost 27. Yeah. Yeah. So it was definitely like a very 
uh, a unique time in my life, I think. So that definitely molded my experience on a personal level as well. Um, with most of my friends being out of school at that point, even if they had gone for a master's, they were done and starting their career and getting married and having babies and buying houses and all these things. And I was like, help me, I'm poor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still in college, like for what felt like forever. So that is definitely um, something that I think we both have experienced and uh, definitely affected my experience during my PhD um, for sure. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. But yeah, so that's kind of me in a nutshell and everything that's led me to this. I will say like Rach and I started this podcast to, to one, just like have conversations like this that are just like, I don't know. We both said that we really enjoy hearing how people got to where they are. And sometimes that can just be comforting to know that it it wasn't an overnight success, even if it seems like it. Like even now, I'm like, there. I'm nowhere near where I want to be one day, you know? So um, yeah. So we hope that you appreciate hearing our stories and experiences with that. Yeah. And Britt, thank you so much for sharing yours. I mean, I feel inspired. I feel like I'm like ready to like take on the world today, yeah. hearing <laughs> everything that you've accomplished. But you know, hopefully everyone in the audience listening feels that same way. So thank you so much. And guys, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you never miss an episode. We will see you next time on the Science and Sass podcast. Yeah. Bye, guys. 